You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guests, James Armstrong and Chris Hoffmeister of Hub Group. Unprecedented consumer demand signals show no signs of abating anytime soon. Combine that with inventory shortages, a capacity crunch, and bottlenecks at the ports, and businesses could be facing a tough peak season ahead. So what solutions are available to businesses to help them manage their supply chain better? James Armstrong and Chris Hoffmeister of Hub Group join us to discuss current trends and offer some ways to peak at the right time. Joining us today on the Inbound Logistics Podcast, James Armstrong, Vice President of International Solutions, and Chris Hoffmeister, Executive Vice President of Account Management for Hub Group. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk to the Inbound Logistics Podcast today. Now, thank you for having us. We're really uh, excited to be on the on the show today and uh, look forward to having this discussion. Thanks for having us, Jeff. Uh, gentlemen, it's good to have you today. Guys, uh, before we get started, uh, I want to introduce you to uh, our audience. Uh, tell us a little bit about you, your work in the industry, and what you're currently doing with, with Hub Group right now. Sure, I'll start off. This is James Armstrong. I'm currently the Vice President of International Solutions for Hub Group. I, I started in the industry um, over 25 years ago as a trainee uh, working for Maersk Line and um, worked my way up 15 years at Maersk and, and shifted over to work with MYK Usen running their warehouse division. Also, uh, I worked for a large exporter, America Chung Nam, which is the, the largest uh, U.S. exporter. Um, my, my experience is mostly in the U.S. and Canada, but I also did a, uh, a brief stint over in Asia as well. Um, while at Hub, I've been at Hub for two years and I've been helping develop the, uh, the international solutions, which, which includes our NVOCC in and out of the U.S., our port drayage uh, at the ports, as well as in the inland ramps, and, and also transload facilities, uh, which help facilitate the change of mode from international to our domestic network. Excellent. And Chris, what about you? Yeah, my name's Chris Hoffmeister. I'm our Executive Vice President of Account Management. I have responsibility for the commercial side of, of our account management teams here and in our vertical sales group. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be with the Hub Group for just over 19 years. I uh, held numerous positions uh, in the organization and in multiple states. Uh, spend a lot of time in our truck brokerage, our intermodal, our logistics, and also uh, working with our multimodal solutions uh, group as well. So uh, really excited to, to have the conversation today and uh, just uh, happy to, to, to follow James there on the introduction. Great, great. It's, it's uh, going to be an interesting conversation for sure. So uh, let me ask then, uh, and James, I'll start with you. Um, what are you seeing in the industry right now? Well, we're, we're currently going through some an extremely competitive market right now, especially out of Asia. Everyone's focused on getting getting space. Volumes are up over over 20% from 2019 and, and over 30%, almost 40% from last year. So it's it's extreme and all options are being considered. Um, most have had to deviate from their, their traditional partners and add additional support from MBOCCs to, uh, to garner and, and get the uh, capacity to, to move and, and a lot of delays. We're seeing a lot of delays um, from Asia as well as bottlenecks uh, here in the U.S. In addition to the capacity constraints that we're seeing on the ocean carriers, uh, there's a lot of equipment deficit as well. Ocean equipment, chassis, um, truck power, labor, um, and constraints at, at the inland DCs. So we're seeing um, extreme dwell 
for example, the dwell on chassis and containers used to be five days on average. It's gone up to 12. And also with containers sitting off the ports in China and the U.S., there's a lot of equipment that's that's sitting idle um, and also at distribution centers. Yeah, to James' point, I think as you look in the domestic space, uh, you know, it's the strongest demand climate we've ever seen. Uh, everyone has the demand. It, it's not just off the ports. Uh, it's across uh, the country and in, in, in all of North America, it's really driven by the huge demand of inventory replenishment, and, and we don't see that slowing down anytime soon. So that's creating extra extra constraints. And then, as, as James has alluded to, you know, the the ability to turn equipment and get boxes moving from pool to pool and be efficient with that use has been challenging. It's been challenging from a, a labor standpoint at the DCs, uh, and there's been you know labor challenges with hiring truck drivers, and so. The, the labor issues has, has really driven uh, some additional pressure when you're seeing these record levels of demand in a, in a very tough uh, driver and in and, and distribution center worker uh, standpoint. When you're struggling with those, it, it's really causing the, the system to, to jam up. Uh, that is what we're trying to solve, and we're working very closely with a lot of our customers to, to find strategic ways to eliminate some of those pressures, not just throw money at the issue, but how do we get the supply chain flowing and get those products to the final destination. And now regarding some of those pressures, uh, because of this uh, unprecedented customer demand, uh, shippers really uh, don't have as much pull in the marketplace right now. Uh, so what are some of the creative things that you've seen them do to kind of sidestep those pressures and get ahead of it? Yeah, and on the international front, the lack of capacity um, has really forced um, shippers to to look at alternate routings into the U.S., uh, in particular different Port diversification, um, you know, instead of just routing everything through LA, shifting to the East Coast, shifting to the, the Pacific Northwest, it's been kind of a bouncing ball moving around. And that, that's posed a lot of challenges um, because the traditional way that they've moved, they've got um, their vendors and capacity lined up, and it's, it's forced them to deliver their goods within the US from, from a lot of different angles, a lot of different port entry points. Um, but that's helped with them get, garnering more capacity. Also, customers and, and uh, shippers that traditionally move rail IPI with the ocean boxes have, have uh, been forced um, to find capacity and, and drop those boxes off at the port, have them transloaded and, and move via domestic uh, mode, which, which has actually worked out uh, very well, that uh, diversion strategy. Um, so we're seeing that. And there, there are also some non-traditional means of shipping, um, aside from container ships, you know, on a liner service, um, some of the container ships are, are being chartered by, uh, by NVOCCs and um, large BCOs are, are taking advantage of those charters. We've also seen bulk charters um, on the market where they don't have the, um, they, they're not equipped to handle a lot of, a lot of containers, but where, where containers can be found, um, for instance, Hub um, has about 3,000 uh, new build containers that we've manufactured in, in Asia. And about a third of those containers were, were loading into a charter, bulk charter vessel. Um, and those, those containers are fully laden with customers' um, customers' goods so they can move them and find additional capacity uh, from, say, Qingdao to, to Long Beach. So um, really, it, it's, it's forced a lot of creative solutions which we have been fortunate to be part of those solutions. Um, and then also, uh, aside from the international, um, it's posed some 
challenges once once those uh, charters get to the United States, um, they they have to be delivered inland. So um, Hub has been partnering with a lot of charter operators to take care of that inland delivery of the shipper-owned equipment um, into the U.S. interior. Yeah, I, I think you know you've seen a lot of a lot of shippers get you know they they realize that capacity is the, the name of the game, and we have to be as efficient as possible. Uh, we, the, the customers need to be as efficient as possible at unloading equipment, forecasting, things of that nature. But they also have to help us get the most out of our drivers. And so we've seen a lot of uh, improved flexibility across the board with our with our shipping community. Uh, that may be, you know, ex, you know, flexible pickup or delivery times that allows us to optimize and, and you know our drivers. So we're not doing one ways into a pickup or delivery, we're able to match that with other freight we have coming out. Um, you know, t- taking our, our pickups from one for that customer to two in that day. So really uh, maximizing the efficiency of our driver and, and, and getting the utility up of our fleet. Um, I think the other the other piece that's been really helpful is just alternative modes. Uh, it, there's it used to be, you know, this lane or that lane would ship, you know, primarily as an uh, over the road truck move or just as an intermodal move, but there has been some flexibility in, in alternating that, uh, either sharing that capacity and having it move, you know, a portion intermodal or a portion over the road, or or simply switching a, a traditional over the road lane back into intermodal or to intermodal for the first time with a little bit more flexibility on the total transit time. That's been really helpful. It, it allows to to up that capacity and and generate that you know the, with the gener- generated demand been able to supply that. So that's been a really big piece from us and we've really appreciated the flexibility and it allows us to offer more solutions uh, on how to get that product to the final destination. But uh, I would say that anything anything our you know a shipper can do to improve flexibility and improve utility of drivers and equipment is what's going to drive uh, drive out the cost in the long run. All right, then, uh, James, what are some of the things that you think that more shippers should be looking at then when they are uh, considering managing the rest of the year? Well, the, the, the first thing is that uh, they, need to, they need to book early. Uh, the more visibility and the, the, the earlier they can pull their, their purchase orders forward, um, the better. Um, they need to buffer um, that, that longer transit time, those delays, and, and also give their providers visibility um, so that we can start working on solutions you know, early in the process. If there are constraints in a, in a particular routing, if, if you know, uh, more capacity can be garnered on a port to port, we still need to plan ahead, you know, with with uh, the port drayage, the transload, and, and the inland capacity to make sure that the full supply chain is is laid out in front of them uh, for when they use that solution. You know, so you can't swim upstream with the ocean carriers right now. They they need to turn their equipment uh, quickly. They need to turn their ships around and their equipment around. So they're encouraging a lot of port to port options and. That's really where Hub can can help support the solution. Working with an MVOCC that that has a strong U.S. domestic uh, capability is really important in this environment because of all the, the the deviations from from the norm, all the all the various routings that that you have to utilize uh, to get to the final destination. Yeah, I, I think that James, you're you're right on there. I, I think all of those things. I, I think there's also been and um, we've seen some shippers move to things like electronic uh, BLLs and paperwork. That's extremely helpful, especially with 
uh, you know, what we experienced through COVID, any way to improve efficiency there and do have less handling with the drivers. Uh, it's good for the long term. It's also improving some efficiency and just less outer route miles to, you know, shuffle paperwork and things like that. So I, I think all shippers are looking at all options right now, even some of the little details that, that add just a little bit of extra capacity or a little less uh, delay at, at either origin or destination is really paying dividends uh, from what we're seeing. So the creativity of the shippers is really important. Uh, this peak season is going to be a little bit different. So uh, what has Hub Group done to prepare for peak season this year? Yeah, for peak this year, this has been something I, I don't feel peak from last year is quite ended yet, to be real honest with you. But uh, we, we have a very uh, thorough peak planning process. Uh, we, we look at the, a lot of different indicators on, on where that the product's coming from and work closely with our customers. I will tell you that, you know, last year taught us a lesson that I think taught the entire industry is there's just, you know, you have to make sure that forecasting is as, pro, is, as good as it can be. And a forecast is just that, uh, but you're partnering and you're sharing information, uh, you know, shippers that are more transparent with, with what they're seeing, even though knowing that that, that information is going to change getting that information with their, their carrier partner or their transportation provider uh, is really helpful. It allows us to really come up with different solutions and lock in capacity earlier. Uh, we spend a lot of time planning our, not only our driver, our, our new builds, our driver ads, uh, the way we, you know, reposition equipment in across the network, uh, the way we approach our bid season and where we're trying to funnel uh, our equipment to to support our customers. It's really critical. And the only way to do that is to prepare extremely early and just be as transparent as possible. This year, uh, you know, we timed the delivery of our new containers as we do every year uh, to coincide with when we anticipate peak uh, is going to have the highest demand. So we want those containers hitting the West Coast where we know there'll be a tremendous need uh, at the appropriate time. So we do have those those boxes coming in now. That's one step we've done. We also uh, really focused our driver recruiting and changed the way that we were, were recruiting in key markets well in advance of when those markets were going to surge. So we've been very active, you know, getting very aggressive with, with drivers, uh, driver hiring in these markets. It's a critical piece of our business. And, and like we, we mentioned earlier, it's a, it's a tough market right, right now for the drivers. Uh, so we, uh, we wanted to prepare early with that. We also want to just align on expectations. Uh, a lot of our shippers we've seen, there's just been a big increase in weekend and, and evening demand. So making sure we're aligned there. Are we hiring drivers for the right shifts, uh, extending out through the weekends, doing night uh, pickups and deliveries? That's been a big uh, volume increase for us in the nights and weekends. So we wanted to make sure that we were aligned to prepare for that. And that really came about from some of the conversations we were having with our customers. But the, 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 the overall thing right now, more so than ever, is just, aligning early. It's never too early to start having a conversation about peak uh, with the capacity environment we're in right now. Chris, I couldn't agree more. I think what's really helped us uh, prepare for this peak season is that in some ways, peak season from last year never never stopped. So we deployed uh, late last year, a lot of new options, a lot of, a lot of new services, um, really ramped up our, our transload network, um, started collaborating with, with ocean carriers and MBOCCs you know, and helping with their uh, U.S. domestic uh, deliveries. So a lot of that has been in place and developing as we're leading into peak season, and we've continued to, to garner more capacity. The timing of our 53-foot new builds on the manufacturing um, in China has has really been a blessing for us because uh, the majority of those 3,000 containers are moving um, here during peak season, August through through October. 
and we're taking advantage of, of loading those containers with, with customers' freight, um, not just uh, large customers, but, um, but some of the medium-sized customers as well. We, we have about a dozen customers that, that, are, that are utilizing that equipment. So we're moving them through the traditional uh, container vessel route as well as through the charter, charter vessel route um, where we've um, deployed charters to, uh, to move those, con- those containers into uh into long beach that's those are the the main you know the the main focus for us um but but also once it gets here to the united states um we have increased our contingencies and our capacity with with port dray out of all the the facilities and as i mentioned our transload facilities we've added additional uh, facilities in the network so we can accommodate the incremental volume um, as as um, you know, products flow through. But still, back to our earlier point: the earlier you book, the earlier you provide those those forecasts, um, the, the the better chance that that you can lock down that capacity and make sure it's there for you when when peak starts to to lift. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Hub Group's transformation strategy has uh, focused on providing that end to end. Uh, services for its customers. Uh, what are some of the benefits that you see shippers receiving with this type of service portfolio? James, can you take that? Yeah, the, the end-to-end focus for, for Hub Group has really um, been a big part of our, our growth on the international front. We've seen you know, a lot of the challenges for, for customers are in the handoffs and the transition between the different modes. And, and that's not just domestically, it's, it's also including you know, the overseas and, and so we've been uh, very successful in, in leveraging, you know, our common platform across all of the modes. Um, so it's from systems to our business intelligence to our account management teams. Um, you get the same window in the hub group and we manage those services in the same way, even though we have um, different op- operating platforms um, underneath. So um, our customers have seen um, things improve from a service standpoint because we sync up those handoffs between our services. In fact, you know, earlier in the year we had um, several automotive accounts that were having challenges where they asked us for um, support with domestic intermodal, and we actually um, pushed back to those customers that you know we would be have much better success um, with their program if we handled the end to end solution that meant that we would pick it up at the port we would translate it and provide the intermodal because and and that was um, those were very successful programs because we were able to sync up those different modes and deliver a, a better product on time um, those are really um, some of the successes we've had with our end to end we now have you know full capability and customers that that are actually um, we're picking up in Shanghai and through our, our new acquisition nonstop, um, we're delivering uh, directly to people's homes with the white glove service. So it's pretty exciting and it allows for, you know, that, that control over the, over the supply chain and, and, and um, managing the customer's freight from end, truly from end to end. All right, then uh, what then is your assessment for 2022? I mean, are we going to return to a normal seasonality? Uh, and, and what are some of the uh, headwinds and tailwinds that uh, you're, you're tracking as you plan for that? Uh, and Chris, let me go to, the, to you with that one. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I, I wish I, I had real clear visibility of what happens in 2022. Uh, 
But I, I do think that, you know, we are predicting that it's going to remain tight. You know, there's international backlog uh, that's that's looking to continue well into 2022. Uh, you know, you're seeing more things pop up, you know, as it relates to the pandemic with, you know, different variants of, of the of COVID and, and really trying to understand that. I, I don't think that anyone's going to have a real good uh you know, timeline of when we're going to get through that. So I don't know what the new normal looks like, but what we're doing is we're really preparing uh, to, to maintain this high level of demand and making sure that we're prepared for our customers. Uh, you know, our, our, as I mentioned, our driver recruiting efforts are, are really going uh, full, full blast, uh, making sure that we are investing in equipment and technology and, and, and all of those pieces uh, to make sure that we're there to support our customers. We haven't seen, you know, a layup in demand uh, since last summer. And we're just continuing to to react with the market and, and get ahead of, of some of the additional challenges we have. So the big headwinds are, you know, just continued uh, congestion and uh, that we're seeing on on the, on the West Coast, making sure that we're getting the the equipment turned, getting uh, freight transloaded. As James mentioned earlier, a really good option is to take those international containers, transload them into intermodal boxes here domestically. So we're making sure that we have that equipment. Uh, enough of that equipment and then put in the right spot. So really, uh, you know, I, I think that we're going to see uh, a, a, a really big demand, uh, the big demand continue. And, and we're going to continue to prepare uh, our organization to support our customers as such. Great. James, what about you? What are you seeing? I, I agree with Chris. Um, you know, we're not seeing things let up um, in, until well into 2022. Uh, the backlog in Asia the low inventory levels in the United States, just things have a lot of catching up to do. Um, you know, speaking with our, our customers, there are some that have prioritized um, and they're, they're moving their seasonal product, but they're still very low inventories with sort of the staple items. So it's it's going to be a tough ship to turn as far as uh, catch, catching up um, because there's just several months and we're still running at peak levels, um, the, the infrastructure um really can't support much more or, or any more throughput than what it's doing right now. So uh, yeah, it, well into 2022 past Chinese New Year. All right, then. Uh, then what about some advice then? What uh, piece of advice can you offer our, our audience, given that uh, we're ready to start picking up with peak season? Um, James, what do you think? Make the decisions now um, to expedite your critical inventory. I'm sure these decisions have been made throughout the year, but the premiums are out there, pay the premiums. Um, there's a lot of competition uh, to get the space and uh, generally um, space isn't locked down until seven days you know, prior to the, to the vessel sailing. And it's sometimes the best premium wins, but if you wait, it, it, the premiums only increase. So make early decisions and pay the necessary pre- premiums to get the, the product moving. Chris, what about you? What uh, piece of advice would you share with our audience? Yeah, James is, is right on. I, I cannot stress enough, act early, act now. Uh, a lot of these plans are already in motion. And, you know, we've partnered with, with our shipping community that, that we work with and really got ahead of this early. I, I, as we stated, I don't think peak from last year has stopped. So anything uh, someone can do immediately to, to make sure that they're, they've got plans, they've got forecasting information, and they're making, uh, you know, commitments with their capacity. Uh, that, that's critical right now. Uh, there's just not enough capacity to go around, so you've got to be aligned with, uh, you know, what what you have coming in, and, and making sure you're partner, partnering with people that can provide that additional capacity. So right now, I, I think that, you know, James is right. You know, if there's critical inventory, get a focus on that. Make sure that that 
that freight is covered and, and you've got a clear path on, on how that's going to going to happen. Uh, a lot of great information there. A lot of uh, critical points that uh, the audience uh, should uh, take on board. So, James, where can the audience then go to get more information about Hub Group uh, and your offerings? Sure. Uh, please visit our website, hubgroup.com. And we also have a link, uh, Preparing for Peak Season uh, white paper that you can take a look at. Perfect. Uh, James Armstrong, Chris Hoffmeister, thank you so much for uh, joining the show today and uh, talking about Hub Group with me. Uh, best of luck with uh, everything that you, has, you have going on. And uh, of course, continue to stay safe out there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having us. Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash get il. That's bit.ly slash get underscore il and stay ahead of the 3PL game. The Inbound Logistics Podcast is a production of Inbound Logistics Magazine. For the most in-depth information around logistics, transportation, and supply chain practices, get your free print and digital subscription at inboundlogistics.com slash subscribe. Connect with us via LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for the most current developments in the industry. If you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode, call our dialogue line at 888-878-3247 or leave us an email at podcast at inboundlogistics.com. I'm your host, Jeff Vita. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time here on the Inbound Logistics Podcast.